Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lessons Learned from UK Sailmakers. I'm Buttons Padian, and today I'm speaking with Sylvain Barriel, who owns and runs the UK loft in San Francisco. Hello, Sylvain, and welcome to Lessons Learned. Hey, how are you? Sylvain came to sailmaking after being a competitive sailor for many years, and he was perhaps doing it without the limelight that others enjoyed. Sylvain, tell us some of the, the, the people that you sailed with. So in Europe was uh, Isabelle Autissier, Marc Pajolot, uh, Luc Gélusso, uh, Jerry Roof. Uh, and uh, on the English side, uh, people like Terry Chinson, uh, Chris Dixon, little bit with uh, Russell Coots on the Tour de France, and uh, John Cutler. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. That's some pretty good company. How about some boats or classes that you sailed? I did all the America's Cup class from May 87 to 2013, all the way to AC45. I didn't sell on AC72. And uh, match racing, uh, the Memferly, all the boats for the Tour de France à la Voile, IOR 50 back in the day, Maxi Yacht, uh, Formula 40. Did quite a bit of multi-hull around 85, 87, just after French Kiss America's Cup. Uh, was a little bit crazy at the time, but race around the, the Europe, establishing the Ruban Bleu. It was just nonstop, you know, it was 200 days on the water for years. I guess the highlight is the six America's Cup campaigns that you were involved with. It is in the sense that, uh, you know, the America's Cup of my era was like doing a master or doing a PhD in, uh, in your industry, you know, because we were really involved with everything, which have changed now. Uh, it's much more specialized. It is uh, for sure, but you know, doing a race around Europe on a 20 meter multi hole is something special too. We'll get into the America's Cup in a little bit. Tell us where you grew up and about your sailing experiences <laughs> when you were a kid. So I grew up in uh, Marseille, south of France. It's a little bit like the south in America, huge accent. It's on the water. A lot of people we sell professionally have been to Marseille. The next Olympic Games are in Marseille in 2024. The Med is fantastic to sell a lot of racing. The thing in France is that uh, you could practice a sport which was part of your um, college or school um, program and very quickly end up doing the Wednesday uh, sailing. And I liked it, so I started to do the holidays and weekends. And very quickly from there, I meet people around the club, start to sell bigger boats, then start to do all the big local races, you know, the SNIM, um, Giraglia. It was just a different um, time where, you know, you start at one time and uh, you finish when you finish. You had a big break when you were 17, I understand. I had the chance to get involved with a boat called Elisara, which was a maxi yacht owned by uh, Herbert von Karajan. And uh, that boat was based in Saint-Tropez. And we used to travel and um, race in Porto Cervo, Palma de Mallorca. And this was also my first introduction to um, English-speaking uh, uh, skippers, because Harold Kudmore, which who uh, ended up doing quite a bit of sailing after that. And uh, Peter Batman was a driver. So this introduced me to the big boat at a very young age. And this is when the French with Marc Pajot started French Kiss for the America's Cup. So they were looking for people, uh, obviously young, which had experience with big boats. And that's what uh, made the connection. I ended up doing a week contract, a month contract, a six-month contract, and the contract until the end. 
the military when I grew up was mandatory in France. And I ended up doing the, my one-year military in uh, Perth, before the America's Cup, the year of uh, World Championship. So that was 1986. You were pretty young to be on a 12-meter at that point. Yeah, I was pretty young and pretty small, too. It was fine, but I was way, physically way too small for the condition in Fremantle. Then very quickly end up uh, trimming jib. But at the same time, I was working um, for the sailor. Uh, because back in that day, we were making all our sails on the floor. We didn't have a plotter even at the time. We were just cutting out of a roll of cloth. And uh, so very quickly, I ended up uh, making all the jibs, all the genoise for the 12 meters. Then when I stopped to race on the boat, um, work at full time at the raft. So it sounds like over the series of these, these six campaigns that you did, you did everything sort of bow to stern, uh, <laughs> both on yeah. the boat. Yeah, for sure. Did a lot of... Um, Streaming and uh, testing for many years, that's for sure. I can only imagine you looking, I mean, that's a 20 plus year span of time. Yeah. How the sales in terms of the materials, the design, the manufacturing techniques evolved. What are some of the things that you saw happen during that period of time? <laughs> I've seen some interesting things. Looking at the Spinnaker in Fremantle, I think that was the first Spinnaker he used the software to design the cell. So I've seen that in the beginning of cell software. The French have always been very ahead of a curve with fabric and the material, yeah, was a huge evolution. The big step was 87 to 91. 91, we start to see, you know, 3DL and other materials uh, in radial arriving. 87 was a human evolution where everybody became a professional. And uh, 91 is a big technology. We start to get involved with selling. From then, the technology keep improving uh, exponentially. There was one material you were using that I know where you're going with. Very, very susceptible to, to light degradation. Which was yeah, that? Yeah, PBO. I think it came on the market around 98 or 99. PBO came running out of the starting block, and uh, it turned out to be a disaster. Uh, everything was falling apart. Were just breaking down because the mechanical property of the fiber was just degrading extremely quickly on the UV and the light exposure. It was, you know, learned by trying more than anything else. One of the justifications of the America's Cup expenses has always been that it's the leading edge of, of sailmaking technology and boat building technology. Um, and it sounds like you were on that leading edge for many years in terms yeah, of. Yeah, it's different nowadays. You have so many testing capabilities that the product are ready to run. So then let me let me shift gears on you a little bit. I'm looking at the list of boats that you sailed on from the 12-meter French Kiss, the last time the 12s were used in Fremantle, to four programs with the IACC boats with Ile Paris, the France 2 and 3, 6 cents. And then in 2007, France joined up with the China team. And then in 2013, sailing the AC-45s in San Francisco, being involved there. You've got to have some great memories of particular stories. Huh. Can you share a couple with us? There's some good ones, some bad ones, you know. So 87, we broke our rig on Freedom, trying to drop the mainsail, and it went from 15 to 45 knots. The tack of the mainsail broke up, and the mast came down on the boat, and uh, we had some extremely severe injury. So that was uh, not good. Uh, a bad one was uh, the 95 America's Cup. Well, that went south, sadly, because I think we had a good team. The boat fell off a crane. Uh, the keel went through the boat. So we had to rebuild that boat in San Diego. Then when we finished that, we tried to go to measure the boat. We jumped a wave. 
damage the kill, we had to race the next day, race with that bot, lost the kill, then switched to the other bot, did the third on Robin, the last race against the Spanish we were going downwind, uh, we realized that the Australian bot was sinking right in front of us. So we just went for the hundred yards from them, and uh, I still remember the masthead going under the water. This is one. This is one Australian when it collapsed. You were on the last leg. You were the second round robin against Spain. Uh, yeah, we were the second pair against Spain, and when we run the dual mark, do our upwind in the last stack uh, on the lay line to cross the finishing line, uh, we lost the rig. So that was the end of it. We didn't cross the finishing line, didn't mark the point to go in semifinal, so we were out. So that was the end of a very complicated America's Cup that time around. That was a, an exciting and not somewhat dangerous race. We spent quite a lot of time in San Diego because we had the America's Cup before 1992. And the weather was very, very different in 95. We had a lot of more uh, wave. Uh, it, it's incredible the difference in weather between these two America's Cup. Sylvain, tell us a little about your uh, point of view on the, the AC-72s that sailed as catamarans in San Francisco. The design or the idea got a little bit of out of end at the beginning, but you know, you have to push the envelope. I think they got very, very lucky that the boat were foiling. With the size of a wing and then the power of a the wing, they probably uh, never could have sailed in the bay, you know, 25 to 30 knots uh, at the top mark. I think we'd have seen a carnage in, uh, in cap sizes. <laughs> the rule did everything to avoid people to have foils. When uh, the America's Cup went with the AC-75, you know, when everybody saw the first design, they said, oh, what's going to happen here? And uh, ended up working pretty well, actually. We're always trying to expand the sport of sailing. And one of the things that I know happened is, and this was the run-up to 2007, the French team started working with Team China. How did the blend of the, the French and the Chinese work in terms of sailing together and sharing information and just, and just enjoying the racing? The first thing was to find the people. We were very early on into getting Chinese into sailing. We got a lot of the dinghy sailors. Then the second thing was to teach them. And uh, it was quite a culture shock because when you come from uh, mainland uh, China and you end up in Valencia, Spain, uh, eating tapas, it's a bit of a change in your life. What you have to look is 10 years later. Because if you look at all the kids who came to uh, Valencia on this AC program, pretty much all of them end up on the Volvo 70 program, which was very successful uh, with the French uh, Dongfang. Finished third of the first Volvo and uh, won the second one. They were exposed to uh, a lot of iron selling, and I hope uh, in China they can do what we did, bring more people to sell and bring them to higher level. I hope they are still involved in bringing what they learned to the next generation. Okay, let me shift gears on you again then. You've been sailing since you were a kid. Who are the people that you've met that have influenced you the most in terms of your sailing and your sail making? In terms of uh, sailmaking, I will say uh, for sure, Luc Gerusso. I had the chance to work with very funny people and good people and competent people. You know, when you're doing that full time with so many good people, uh, you you get few things from uh, people. Over, uh... So then, tell us about some of the, the more interesting sales that you worked on and designed, in fact. There is a little bit of everything and uh, anything, you know. But uh, the early years of uh, offshore multi-fuel on the big uh, trimaran, we didn't really have 
know all the technology we have now, so we didn't know for sure what we were getting into. So this was a pretty big project at the time. Even the machinery was not there. It, it was pretty complex. The America's Cup, obviously, you know, every single cell you do in the America's Cup, uh, you go pretty far in the detail. We made our own cells until the end of 95. So we will end up, for example, in San Diego, we had a full loft and we were producing all the cells of the 95 America's Cup and 92 America's Cup. But that's changed. The level of sailing that you have done has been at the very highest. But there have got to be things that you've learned that can be translated to the average club racer. What are the things that, that, that you would want to share to, to your customers and, and our listeners who just want to sail well on uh, Thursday night? I think the, the first and most important thing is to have a clear goal, short term and long term, of what you want to do with your boat. Uh, how far you want to push the envelope in terms of competition. If you want to sell with your friend, you know, especially on the West Coast, the level is very up and down. You have some people which are good and some people we are learning. And at the end of the day, it's a teamwork. Everything about uh, soft sales, uh, mass tune, uh, you know, where to sit on the boat, where to move forward, what to move aft, uh, how much rudder angle. It's a lot of detail. So you have to start somewhere and slowly bring it in. So then, what are you sailing these days? Next week, I'm doing cable race, actually, on a DLR 46 uh, with a customer, which is slowly getting in the next stage of getting a racing boat. I mean, this boat is a, a cruiser racer. I'm going to do Transpac, then uh, Les Voiles de Saint-Tropez and some events in Europe on the I-70, Bandido. Tell us a little bit about it and about the program and how you are all involved. Uh, the whole project started with the UK president, John Bennett from San Diego, which had a customer uh, in Mexico called Ernesto. Ernesto decided to buy a TP-52. And when the TP-52 was brought, I came along and I started to race with him. Two or three years down the road, he was thinking about uh, doing a bigger boat, which was designed by Umberto Felci, built by uh, Asiot in Italy. And we had a, a great team. The things went really well. And we are starting to do some uh, distance racing. So, yeah, no, the boat was a huge effort of a lot of people. So John was involved and uh, Pat was involved with the cell design. And, uh, so I was more involved with, uh, you know, the general project management uh, with everyone and putting the boat, cell trial and things like that. One of the things yeah. that I'm finding interesting about uh, about your, your Bandito program is that it is really a collaboration of a number of different people within UK sailmakers. You have John Bennett down in San Diego, whose customer it is, and put the program together in the first place. You've been helping with the sale designs and the sale management and the, the preparation of the program. And Pat Considine, UK's lead designer in Chicago, designed many of the sales. So I think yeah. that's, that's great that you get people across the, the UK network working together, making it better for their customers. Well, you can do everything by yourself if you like, but when you have people which are competent close to you and you can use them, well, you should. It sounds like a fun season ahead. Well, thank you, Sylvain Barrial. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing some of your lessons learned. So visit UKSailmakers.com to find more episodes of Lessons Learned and poke around in the how-to section for tips on sales, boat handling, safety and sea, and more.
So for UK sailmakers, this is Button Spadine saying, sail with confidence.